Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Important, which you all believe you are now. Um, that means you're influential. You have a sphere of influence, and I don't, you know, it may just be um, your, you know, it may not be a big important job. It may be raising your children at home. You know, it may be your marriage where you're really influential. But you may have a job where you have a lot of influence too. You may go to school, some of you young folks, and have a sphere of friends that you're influential in. You know, it may be your extended family, you know, um, nieces and nephews or whatever you've got going. You're an influential person. And so we're going to learn from Daniel. He had maybe a unique circumstance. Many of you may not be um, nobility like Daniel. He was no, a noble in the nation of Israel. You may, you know... Um, not go into captivity for the king of the world uh, and serve the king of the world like Daniel did Nebuchadnezzar and some of the kings to follow. But because you're influential and he was influential, you're going to find some things that you can apply to your life today. Okay? Um, so, this is the participation part. I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm hoping I can get some hand raises here. Alright? So, if you're able to raise your hand, would you raise your hand? That's a good start. We're like 90%. Alright, the rest of you, you'll, you'll jump in when you're ready. Alright? So, has anybody here, by a raise of hands, ever worked for a tough boss? If your boss is in the room, you can just pretend it was somebody else. That's okay. That's okay. I had someone who worked for me in the Kalamazoo service and he raised his hand. I know it wasn't me. I hope it wasn't me. <laughs> Alright. Hey, Daniel had a tough boss too. You're not alone. I had a tough boss. Um, until earlier this year, praise the Lord, he got fired. But uh, <laughs> I had a tough boss. Or if you're in school, what's that? Do wives, wives count? I never had a tough one of those. <laughs> she said he's like, we can all be difficult sometimes. All right, so if, if you don't, maybe you don't, uh, if you're young people, maybe you're not working yet, so you don't have a tough boss, but maybe a tough teacher or professor, um, if you're going to school. Um, or maybe a tough parent. You want to raise your hand? Don't raise your hands for that one. Don't raise your hands for that one, guys. If you've ever had a tough parent. Um, or how about this? Have you ever felt like this? Where I'm at in life does not fulfill my purpose. The thing that I'm doing today does not feel like my destiny and calling. Yeah, I've been there. Um, for about three and a half years, I drove about 50 minutes each way to work, which felt like a lot to me. I wasn't used to that. And in the wintertime, I'd get there early enough that it was dark. My office was in a basement. And by the time I was leaving, it was dark. That did not feel like my destiny and calling. <laughs> to never see God's good sun. <laughs> the sunshine, I missed it so bad. So I started running on my lunch hour. That helped a little bit. But anyways, I didn't feel like that was my destiny and calling. And uh, we'll see in Daniel's life. He was doing stuff that did not feel like his destiny and calling. And what can we learn from that? What can we draw from that if we're doing stuff that doesn't feel, um, what's the word, transcendental, amazing, right? This doesn't feel as amazing as the stuff so-and-so's posting on their Facebook that they're doing, right? If you feel that way, Daniel's been there, we can learn from him. Or if you've ever had trouble with your peers, so this is friends, this is uh, co-workers, this is fellow classmates or fellow siblings in the family, right? Have you ever had trouble with those folks in your life? Amen. I have too. (laughs) 
And Daniel did too. We're not going to cover the lion's den part of Daniel's story today, but if you remember that, it was his peers who kind of rose up against him and, and basically put him in a trap. They convinced the king uh, to say, hey, if anyone prays to anyone other than the king, they're going to get thrown in the lion's den. Well, they did that because they knew Daniel prayed three times a day to his God. And so they trapped him. Talk about peer trouble. And he handled it really well. We'll cover other other things that uh, Daniel did. So, all right. <clears throat> we know we're not alone. Daniel's been there. We've all been there. But let's look at these two character traits. Influential and set apart. I hope you'll agree now that these are for you because you're meant to be influential because you're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, I hope you will become one. It's the best decision you can make. God is a good God. He's a happy God. He's a loving God. He's not out to get you, but He does want to have a relationship with you because He loves you. All right. So influential. I boiled it down to two bullet points because you know what you do when you make a sermon? You make bullet points. So they can go on those TVs for you to look at. (laughs) I kid. But being influential is making God known. And modeling God's ways. That's a good way to put it. So we see it in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we see, make God known, model His ways. Right? Make disciples of all nations. It means they're going everywhere telling people about God. We are going everywhere telling people about God. And then teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. Jesus is saying, you know, model my ways. Teach people to follow my ways. And then he ends with the beautiful promise, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Which is awesome. And leads into the next point, which is set apart. Which really, as we see Daniel being set apart, it's all about relationship with God. So, kind of tangent here just a little bit. Um, we, we saying that God was holy today. And holy means pure. It means free from uh, anything unclean or evil. In fact, God is so perfectly holy, He can't even be in the presence of something that's unclean. So if that makes you shake in your boots, it did me too at one point. But the good news for us is Jesus made a way so that we could be clean, so that we could have unbroken relationship with God. Right? That's not something we can earn because we can never become perfectly holy like God. That's why our salvation is a gift, something that we accept through Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, so don't shake in, shake in your boots no longer, Jamie. Shake in your boots no longer, folks. He wasn't. I was just, I was just looking his way. But, um, Jesus made a way so that we can have that relationship. But there's this thing that goes on. You start a relationship with God by receiving the free gift of salvation through Jesus. And then you start living a life in relationship with God. And part of what that looks like is trying to keep connected. Right? Like, Marilee and I are married. What would happen if I worked late every night? Sometimes a little too real. I'll show you an example. What if I worked late every night and when I got home, there was always a, a football game or a baseball game on TV. And so it was like I went from work to television, to bed, and we never went out on a date night, and I never really talked to her or looked at her much, and we just like, hey, what's for dinner? Oh, hey, go mow the lawn. We wouldn't have a good connection, right? We'd still be married, but there'd be kind of a distance that would develop. We might start to feel more like roommates than, um, uh, the only word I can think of is lovers, which is maybe a little 
too weird. <laughs> right? That's what we're meant to be. We're meant to love each other. We're meant to be the most intimate person in each other's lives. And we could, we could get distance. We could, things could come between us if we weren't protecting that connection. Right? And that's, that's a parallel to our relationship with God. He wants to be connected to us for our whole life. He wants to be close to us. He wants us to be close to Him. And so things can rise up and come in the way. You know, we still, at least I do. I don't know about you guys, but I still sin sometimes. A lot of times. And so luckily the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So He can, He can take care of that. But my goal now, motivated out of experiencing a taste of His goodness in relationship, is to stay connected, to stay um, in relationship with Him, to not let things come in the way. Like blatant sin, but also maybe just little stuff that gets in the way. And we'll see examples of this as we look at Daniel. That was a bit of a tangent. Was that helpful? Anybody have any burning questions on holiness and connection with God that you want, want to ask? Okay. If it comes up, you can ask me later. Alright, so before I get into that eye chart on the next slide, we gotta set the scene. Here we go, we're launching into Daniel. You're like, he's, he said we're talking about Daniel. When's the Daniel part? Here it comes. Here it comes. So Daniel, like we said, was a noble in the nation of Israel, so God's chosen nation of people, and he's among the elite of the nation. Strapping young man, handsome, we're gonna read about that. Bright, Smart guy, he's got it all going for him. And uh, his nation's got it all going for them. They've got this temple where their God is physically present, you know, in their land. It's pretty amazing. And then comes along old Nebi. I like to call him old Nebi. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. This nation that's starting to conquer the whole world. And sure enough, they come and conquer Israel too. And pillage the temple and all this bad stuff is happening. And old Nebi, we'll go to the eye chart slide here, comes up with a plan. Nebi says, hey, Ashpenaz, because that's a great name for a king, a court official. He's like, hey, Ashpenaz, you're the, the court official for me. I got this plan. He says, bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, Oh yeah. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So go get me the best and brightest. We could have said that, but it was a little more verbose in the Bible there. right? Go get me the best and the brightest. And then it says he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. So you're seeing the plan come together here? We've conquered these guys. Let's bring their best and the brightest back with us. And we're going to train them for three years. We're going to teach them all of our ways, our culture, everything that we know that's written in our great books of learning. We're going to feed them the best food from the king's table. And then after three years, the best and brightest of those will be qualified to enter the king's service. Give me the best of the best. Then give me the best of the best of the best. And then I'll have some people I can work with, right? All right. So we already said this. He's handsome. Daniel's handsome. That's so important. I'm just kidding. Right? He had everything going his way before old Nebi showed up. And then kaboom. His nation's conquered. His temple's pillaged. He's taken captive to serve this foreign king. He's starting a three-year indoctrination program. 
Oh, not like you're going away to university here in Israel, like the University of Israel. You're going to take like Animal Sacrifices 101 and like, you know, Levitical priesthood garments 102. That's probably 302, you know. But no, you're going to another nation to learn everything they care about that you don't care about at all. Ugh, yuck. He's stripped of everything good. His expectations about how his life would go are shattered. What was he expecting his life to look like? In the best and brightest in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to find a beautiful young lady and we're going to make a beautiful life together. We're going to have beautiful children and uh, everything's going to be great. right? Probably going to have some herds, lots of herds. My tent is going to be amazing and life's going to be good. And then all of this is taken from him. And many scholars believe, we'll just go with the, the belief, it's not 100%, but many scholars believe that to go into a king's service like that, that you would actually become a eunuch. So he lost that too. If you don't know what a eunuch is, you might not want to Google it, but maybe look in a safe Bible reference later. Not pleasant for old Daniel, right? Not pleasant. Man, what is he going to do with this situation? I don't know. Actually, I do. I made the notes. So let's check it out. All right. So the very first thing we see about Daniel as he launches into his three-year program is this this in verse 8 of chapter 1. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Remember, the king was going to serve these guys, the best and the brightest from all the conquered nations, um, food and wine right from his table because he viewed that as the best. Of course, that's why he's eating it. He's the king. Um, but for Daniel, that food and wine was defiling, which means it would make him unclean, which means it puts things between him and his relationship with God. So the very first thing we see is his resolve to protect his relationship with God. That's that set-apart thing, right? I'm not going to do certain things because I'm set-apart to my God. I want relationship with my God. That's really, really important to me. Go, Daniel. Point one. So then... What does he do with this resolve? Like, does he get fist fighting angry and go to Ashpenaz, that guy who's in charge of the three-year program, and put up your dukes, put up your dukes. It's from an old cartoon. Anyway, um, no, he doesn't. What he does is he asks the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And it says in the Bible, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, The king would have my head because of you. So Daniel says, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And the point that we learn, the bullet point is, honor paves the way for influence. So it says that he asked permission not to defile himself. And then when the quote shows up, Daniel's quote, it says, please test your servants in this. Pretty please, sugar on top. Could you please give us a, just give us 10 days to try this thing. If we don't look healthy and strong, I'm not going to let you lose your head over it. Literally. That's when you can actually say literally. Like on Facebook, when people say literally, they don't always mean literally. Have you ever noticed that? Grammar. It's important. But here, literally, I don't want you to lose your head over this, Ashpenaz. Just give us a 10-day trial period, pretty please. And lo and behold, favor and compassion are the result. This guy has favor and compassion on Daniel. Sure, some of that might have been God, miracle, favor, and compassion, but Daniel was no dummy. He showed honor and it paved the way for him to have 
influence. It opened the door for this guy to hear what he had to say. He was showing honor to the guy who put him in slavery and unicified him. Wow. Daniel. (laughs) I would not have been so good. But I'll learn from him the best I can. Alright. So what next? A little later on in the story, this is like the summary of the three-year indoctrination program. This is like the Bible saying, okay, three years later, fast forward, right? You know, the movie kind of goes black. A scene starts to come back up and it says three years later in Babylon. All right. It says, and whenever in this verse it says them, it's talking about Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are their Babylonian names. I don't know their Israelite names and I probably couldn't pronounce them. So we'll go with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach and Benny. Is that what they were in VeggieTales? Anyway. God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. In every matter of wisdom and understanding, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So this is like, we got to infer a little bit. We lost three years when we fast-forwarded the movie, but... We know certain things about Daniel that we, I think it's safe for us to assume. Remember the lion's den story, he gets in trouble for praying three times a day. We can probably assume he's praying at least two and a half times a day at this part of his life. Maybe three. Maybe because things were worse, he was praying more. We don't know exactly, but Daniel was protecting relationship by not defiling himself with the food. He's probably praying three times a day. And we see how relationship releases favor. That's the big bullet point here. Relationship releases favor in his life. And I see two kinds of favor with Daniel. The like miraculous lightning bolt favor that comes from like, poof, you can interpret dreams and understand visions of all kinds. Like that's kind of miraculous God favor. But then there's like the fruits of our labor favor. Which is a tongue twister. Fruits of our labor favor. Which means Daniel actually worked at learning Babylonian literature. He didn't care about that. He's like, man, I wanted to be raising a family by now. That girl that was looking good back in Israel, we would have been married by now. We probably would have had our first kid by now. But here he is. He's, he's applying himself to the thing that God has set before him. Even though, remember, it doesn't, this doesn't feel like my destiny and calling. He's embracing a different one than what he thought was his. And that's pretty spectacular. And the result is this amazing favor. Um, so, relationship releasing favor. He's building up something to offer when he has the opportunity to influence. That's good. That is good. Alright. So then later in the story, i got to kind of tell you what's happening before we read this. I don't want to put the whole book of Daniel on a slide. That would be a bit much to read. Um, so later, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And old Nebi has another idea. This is a crazy idea Nebi had. He goes to all of his like wise men, all of his Babylonian whatevers, and he says, I had a dream. I really need to know what it means. You need to tell me what it means, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. And they're like, oh, Nebi, oh, Nebi, how could we ever do that? Just tell us what it was and we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no way. You just want to tell me what I want to hear. you got to tell me what it was and what it means. And they're like, who could do that? Who could possibly do that? And he's like, well, if you can't do it, off with your heads. I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> you lousy wise men. can't even tell me what I dreamed last night. So, there's this other guy, Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, and he's sent out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. 
And so as he goes out, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact, it says. And he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he may interpret the dream for him. So let's see what Daniel does with this. He's bought a little time. Oh, king, give me just a little time. And so he goes back to Shadrach and Benny. And he says, he urges them, it says, to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that we'll all lose our heads, right? Along with the rest of the wise men from Babylon. And then during the night, the mystery is revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel prays the God of heaven. So he goes back to his buddies and they have an all-night prayer meeting. They're like, oh God, please don't let us die. He's going to chop off our heads along with everybody else. Will you tell us what the dream was and what the meaning is? So they, they run to God for the answers of that point. There's more of that relationship. Um, not, not turning into a slug on the couch waiting for his head to be chopped. I give up. You ever do that? I do. I'll admit it. I give up. I'm just gonna lay here. I'm just gonna watch TV. He didn't give up. He didn't like run to the king all angry like, how could you do this? This is ridiculous. You send me back to Israel. I'm not even one of your people. You can't chop off my head. He wasn't like angry that we see. He went to God for the answer. Lo and behold, he got it. And then here's what happens. This is the apex of our Daniel story this morning. So he goes back before the king the next morning. He's got the dream. He's got the answer. And the king asked Daniel, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, Bam! Locked and loaded these awesome words. Oh, king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king, the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He had the perfect answer locked and loaded, didn't he? So great. So here he is, his big moment when the door to the king's heart is open because he had this disturbing dream and Daniel's able to influence out of relationship. His being influential, his influence over others comes out of relationship with God. So relationship enables us to jump at these opportunities. If we're connected with God, then we're ready when the moment arises. When the your boss comes in and says, hey, everybody's about to get fired. Or, or I'm going to chop off everybody's head at work this week. I'm coming around to every cubicle. I work in a cubicle farm, so that's what I think of. I'm coming around to every cubicle, and I'm going to chop off everybody's head and then send you home. <laughs> So if I'm connected with God, I'm going to know what to do in that situation. Give me a minute. Give me a minute, boss. Can, I, can we talk about this tomorrow? I'm going to go pray about it. And I'm going to get the perfect answer from God. All right. Let's keep going. So then the king, here's this awesome answer from Daniel. And here's what he says. We get to see the result. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. Right? He is a king. And he said, God is the Lord of kings. That's pretty amazing. And a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. So what we see is when we influence God's way, God gets glory by our influence. Make him known, model his ways. Make him known, model his ways. Daniel made him known before the king at this very influential moment. And here is Nebuchadnezzar, a guy we learn in other places in the book. This very proud guy. He's the ruler of the known world. And he's saying, your God is the God of gods. All these other gods I've been worshiping, yours is the God of them all. 
And he's the Lord of Kings. Like, actually, he's got it together better than I do. That's amazing. And then we see that Daniel gets all this great stuff lavished on him. Um, and we see how influence leads to more influence. Daniel got his promotion. Um, influence leads to more influence. When we do it God's way, right? It's like, bam, God got glory. Daniel got more influence, so God can get more glory. God is doing something. He's revealing himself to old Nebi and Arioch and Ashpenaz and who knows who else is watching, right? Probably all the wise men who are about to lose their heads are like, hey, thanks, bro. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for keeping my head on. I really like this neck. <laughs> I'm attached to it. Literally. <laughs> and, um, and so influence leads to more influence. You could also call that walking in the authority of your calling. And you lucky folks, in two weeks, will get to hear a whole message about walking in authority. Walking in the authority of your calling. We're bringing in, we're bringing in somebody, you guys. She's amazing. I know, I've seen her talk a few times before. It's Marilee. Marilee. So she'll be back with this amazing message. It's going to be really cool. And there's the teaser. We, we made the movie comparison. That's the teaser, or the trailer. Long, long ago, in a land far away, walked a man carrying a staff, and his name was Moses. Right. Moving on. We're back to Daniel. <laughs> I hope you can follow this stream of consciousness. <laughs> All right, one last thing for Daniel. It says in the Bible, Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach and Benny administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So we find out that Daniel asked old Nebi, he said, Hey, Nebi, I got these three buddies. They're amazing too. Can you put them in charge of something? They'll do right by you. Trust me. And he does it. And so we see that when God gives you influence, He wants you to bring others with you. You know, mentor somebody. Bring somebody along with you. Share the wealth. Share the favor. God wants to do even more than what He's just doing in my life. He wants to do that with other people too. So review. If I were to sum up this whole message, what would I put on the bullet points? There it is. On either side. Or in back if you need to turn around. You can see it back there. That's where I see it. So we learned from the life of Daniel, in summary, that he protects relationship. We want to protect relationship. We learned that honor paves the way for influence. When we actually honor people, even those we might initially have a tendency to hate, like say a guy who uh, unicifies you or takes you captive and makes you a slave, or is a tough boss at work to make it our our scenario, you know? Or is a difficult spouse to be with when they're tired? Or is a child that is strong-willed and honorary? You know, the things we run into. Honor paves the way for influence. If we choose to honor the difficult people in our lives, it opens the door to their heart to actually hear what we have to say. It gives us a place to speak. And we get influence, which is a good thing. Alright, and then we learn that relationship releases favor. We learn that the way we're meant to do it is to influence out of relationship which means that God gets glory and bring others with you. Good. I'm just pausing. I can see everyone furiously scribbling these bullet points in their notes and I'm just pausing. No? Mental notes. I got it. It's good. Alright, so application. I'm going to leave you with this. And unlike some preachers, I'm really going to leave you with this. That means we're almost done. And the donuts, if you can smell them, you're almost there. 
All right, so how I, I hope this slide, this little moment in the message, I hope you'll take a mental note, a written note of one thing that you want to go do. Right? I don't know if you're like me. I'll, I'll confess to you one more thing. Confession, Bill's confessional here. I listen to a lot of messages, like at least one a week. <laughs> and a lot of times, the next week I go, man, last week was awesome, wasn't it? Who's here? Is Mark, what did he, what did Mark talk about again? Shoot, I can't even remember. So, if you forget everything else I said, but you write down one thing you want to go do that you learned from the life of Daniel, I'd be tickled pink and purple. So here are some questions to try to provoke your one thing. So how can you be set apart like Daniel was? Are there things you want to start doing regularly that you're not doing today? You know, his thing was to pray three times a day. Is there a thing you want to do regularly? Is it like, you know, put a Bible app on your phone and check out the verse of the day in the morning? Is it pray three times a day? Because Daniel had good things going for him. I'll, I'll copy his. That's great. Is it, uh, you know, read a chapter of Proverbs a day? Is it, uh, pray together as a married couple before you go to bed? Whatever it is, if there's something you want to start doing regularly that you're inspired by the life of Daniel to do, make your mental note now. Are there things you need to abstain from? Are there certain things that maybe are just normal where you go to school, where you go to work, or things that have become normal in your family that you don't you know, that, you know what, I really look at that, that puts a little distance between me and God, or between me and my kids, or between me and my spouse. I'm going to not do that thing anymore. Write it down. Just one. I don't want you to have too many. Just, just one. Well, you can do three. Extra credits allowed. Extra credits allowed. Alright, or how can you be influential? That was the other major character trait we learned in Daniel. Are there things that you need to do to prepare to influence? Do you got to build up some stuff to be influential with? What does that look like for you? What are you going to do? Are there is there like complaining you need to set aside? Remember I said I had a tough boss? It was very easy to complain about him to the other people at my work. And confessional continues apparently. I did sometimes. And you know what? It stifles influence. It it puts stuff between you and God and it's just eh. it's a challenge to Live a life without complaining in a difficult situation. But maybe that's something you want to set aside. Or maybe there's something, you know, some king's food and wine that you want to set aside with the purpose of going, God, this is for the reason of being influential. I'm going to take this time that I would have had, you know, doing whatever, and I want to focus it on, God, what are you doing in my circle of influence? What are you doing with me in my circle of influence? With these kids I'm raising, with these you know, this crew I'm leading or this um, these coworkers I work with. You got your thing? Copy that. That was the last slide. As promised, we are going to wrap up. I think a great way to do that would be to pray. Would you pray with me? I will pray for you. How about that? Father God, I pray you would bless each person in this room, God. We just want you, God. You are good. You are so, so good. And every taste of you we get proves it a little more. Pray to help us not to forget your goodness. And I pray that we'd be inspired by your goodness and your love for us to do something, God. To stay connected to you. To be an influence for you in this world, God. Help us to believe that we're important, that we have an influence, that we have a say, that what we do in this world matters. Help us to be influential your way, God. Whether it's over 
one person or many people. God, we just take one second here to be still and quiet and to soak you in, God.